And so the broad area that uh, my lab is interested in is studying RNA aggregation. In my past research, I found that there are certain sequences which are sticky and they tend to act as uh, tiny pieces of Velcros, if you may, and they like to stick to themselves and create aggregates. And these are the sequences associated with certain uh, neurodegenerative diseases, such as Huntington disease or amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. That was Unker Jane, Whitehead Institute member and an assistant professor of biology at MIT. And welcome to Audio Helicase, the podcast of Whitehead Institute, unwinding the science and the people behind some of the Institute's most exciting discoveries. I'm Lisa Gerard, Director of Communications at Whitehead Institute. And in this episode, I'll be talking with Unger about RNA aggregates and what they might mean for our understanding of certain neurodegenerative diseases. As a postdoc in Ron Vale's lab at UCSF, Unger discovered that RNA sequences that contain repeated cytosines, or Cs, and guanines, or Gs, can actually stick together and form membraneless blobs, or RNA gels, inside of the nucleus. He also noted that such repeats are found in the disease genes associated with certain neurodegenerative disorders. Unger, how many diseases like Huntington's and ALS are actually associated with these sticky RNA segments? There are about 30 known diseases in this family collectively uh, called as the repeat expansion disorders. Um, the cause of the disease here is an expanded repeat. Uh, there's a stretch of sequence which gets copied too many times. Perhaps a better known example is Huntington's disease, uh, where there's a stretch of uh, the sequence CAG, which gets copied too many times in the Huntington gene. Normal or healthy individuals have anywhere between 5 to 30 copies of CAG in the Huntington gene. Uh, but in some families, that number exceeds 40 or so. They have 40 times, 50 times CAG repeated. Uh, that results in the disease onset. Um, uh, similarly, um, there are other diseases, for instance, in certain forms of amyotrophic lateral sclerosis or ALS. Uh, there is a sequence GGGGCC, which gets copied too many times in the intron of its cognate gene. Uh, and virtually all of these diseases have this very peculiar characteristic that uh, short repeats do not result in uh, disease onset, but only when the number of repeats exceeds a certain critical threshold uh, that results in disease manifestation. Why is the number of repeats so important? Yeah, how exactly these repeats are resulting in the disease is not known. Uh, what we know so far is that long repeats result in a disease, uh, short repeats do not. There's another feature that the more the number of repeats, uh, the sooner the disease hits. For instance, an individual carrying uh, 50 repeats will likely get Huntington disease symptoms earlier than the individual carrying 45 repeats or 40 repeats only. And again, uh, it has remained mysterious why there is this anti-correlation between the number of repeats and age of disease onset. And uh, what we found is that these repeats essentially lead to aggregation of the RNA, which is produced out of uh, these repetitive sequences. And that aggregation is a potential contributor to the disease. So how can a repeated RNA sequence actually create clumps in the cell? The disease-associated RNA are GC-rich. Uh, they're of the type CAG in Huntington disease repeated many, many times. And Gs and Cs can form base pairs. So you can think if you have CAG, CAG, CAG repeated several times, uh, this can stick to itself. Uh, 
And if you make those repeats longer, uh, it also has a propensity to stick to other RNA molecules. Uh, so the, uh, the situation is fairly analogous to these CAG repeats acting like tiny pieces of tapes. The short piece of tape can fold onto itself. If you make the tape longer and longer, it becomes more prone to getting entangled. If you have many such long pieces of tape in a bowl or in your hand, uh, they're going to form a meshwork or a network. Uh, so these RNA molecules, uh, which have CAG repeats, are prone to forming these network-like structures. And in uh, polymer science, these networks where a single uh, molecule binds to many, many other partners uh, which are interconnected, uh, this, this network has been described as a gel. And uh, this is essentially what we think is going on. These RNA are forming gels inside inside the cell and uh, this gel is the aggregated state of the RNA uh, potentially contributing to the pathology. It sounds like there's a lot of extra RNA in cells that have these repeats. Did anyone notice these aggregates earlier? Now, interestingly, clinicians had observed certain aggregates of RNA in patients. So uh, when they looked at uh, patient tissue, like for instance, the, um, the brain biopsies and, uh, from amyotrophic lateral sclerosis or ALS patients, and they stained for uh, the mutant RNA. Uh, the RNA accumulated at certain uh, domains or the, it, they just saw some bright uh, puncta of the RNA, if you may. And uh, these were just used as a pathological hallmark. They were just using it to con confirm that uh, this patient uh, likely died of um, this disease. Uh, but how these bodies were forming had not uh, garnered much attention. Uh, now, uh, what uh, our research has shown is that uh, these, these bodies were likely forming due to aggregation of RNA, and it provides a new paradigm how we should think about these diseases. Perhaps it's the aggregation of RNA uh, which is the driver of the disease beyond just being a pathological hallmark. And that cellular pathology, for example, in neurons could lead to neurodegenerative diseases like Huntington's. But then I thought that Huntington's disease is primarily caused by the aggregation of proteins produced from the repeated sequences. The primary job of the messenger RNA is to guide the synthesis of proteins. Uh, the CAG um, codes for an amino acid glutamine and if you have CAG repeated many times it will encode for uh, several glutamines and as a result um, the cellular machinery will produce a polyglutamine containing protein. Uh, it's well known that uh, polyglutamines themselves can be toxic to the cells and in fact one proposed disease mechanism in Huntington's uh, disease is uh, the formation of these polyglutamine aggregates. Now, uh, over the last 10 or so years, it has become increasingly uh, evident that uh, aggregation of polyglutamine is perhaps not the entire story. Uh, there are several reasons to believe that. Uh, number one, uh, there are other defects which have been observed primarily in RNA processing in, in these disorders. Uh, second, uh, besides Huntington disease, which is caused by a CAG expansion in a gene, there's a very similar disease known as Huntington disease like 2. Now, this disease has uh, very similar clinical symptoms like Huntington disease, but it is caused by a completely different mutation in a functionally unrelated gene. The mutation here is a CTG expansion uh, in, in, in the non-coding part of a different gene. 
So the CTG expansion would not encode for polyglutamine, but instead make a different protein. Uh, however, this uh, expansion is outside the, uh, the canonical protein coding region, so in fact it should not be producing any protein. And it still results in a very similar clinical manifestation. So that has been puzzling and it's not clear uh, why these two different expansions resulting in different proteins will produce similar disease symptoms. And what we think is potentially going on is that besides protein aggregation, there can be a parallel disease me mechanism. Uh, the RNA itself could be aggregating and it could be another driver for, for the disease. Uh, up to what extent RNA aggregation contributes uh, and to what disease it, it, it still remains to explode. So do you think the detrimental effects of RNA aggregation are actually limited to repeat expansion diseases like Huntington's? What we think uh, is that these diseases may just be at the tip of the iceberg. There may be many, many other diseases uh, associated with RNA aggregation, or it could be a broad phenomenon uh, which uh, somehow has uh, not garnered sufficient scientific uh, attention so far. Uh, and now we are actively looking into um, what other RNA aggregation diseases can be there? How does the cell prevent aggregate formation under healthy conditions or normal physiological conditions? Could these RNA aggregates actually play a role in normal cell function as well? Yeah, so indeed a corollary of our work is that uh, RNA can assemble into higher order structures inside the cell. Uh, they can self-assemble by the virtue of uh, forming base pairing interactions. And it is very tantalizing to think that uh, cells may make use of this self-assembly of RNA for their advantage. For instance, in um, egg cells or oocytes, the egg cell transmits certain RNA to the single-celled zygote, and the R maternal RNA is stored in something called the germ granule. Similarly, in neurons at the synapses, there are uh, neuronal granules which help in local protein production at the synapses. And similarly, there are about 10 or so other, 10 to 20 other RNA containing bodies which have been observed in cells. And uh, so far, the attention uh, in the literature or in the community has been on the proteins that are present in these bodies. What uh, our work shows is that perhaps RNA could also be a driver. Uh, for these bodies. And the sequences of RNA in these bodies can play an important role in their assembly. And a part of my lab is actively working on figuring those rules out. It seems like we know a lot more about proteins than we do about RNA. So where is the field of RNA research compared to the field of protein research? Over the last uh, 20 or so years, we have gotten really good at uh, handling proteins and uh, for instance, purifying proteins, obtaining their structures, obtaining, um, tagging them with uh, fluorescent proteins and visualizing where they are. And that has led to a revolution in our understanding of cell biology. Uh, and proteins do perform a large number of cellular functions. The, the tools to study RNA have, in certain senses, lagged behind. And uh, there was a need to develop new technologies, and I think that'll help us appreciate this molecule more. Uh, it has already surprised us several, several times. For instance, the discovery of um, RNAi or RNA interference, the discovery of um, splicing, that these RNAs uh, can catalyze their own reactions, the discovery of ribozymes. I think it may still hold a few more surprises up its sleeve. That was Ankur Jain, a member of Whitehead Institute and an assistant professor of biology at MIT. You can learn more about Whitehead Science on our website at wi.mit.edu.
And you can listen to other Audio Helicase episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes, as well as on our website. For Whitehead Institute, I'm Lisa Gerard. Thanks for listening. Thank you.